Hello, welcome to Mule Mountain Messages, inspiration and exhortation from God's personal letter to us all, the Holy Bible, brought to you from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren, located at 201 Arizona Street in the Warren District of Historic Bisbee, Arizona. If you're searching for a church home, I would like to personally invite you to come and worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings for prayer and Bible study at 5.30. We would be excited to have you come and join our family. If you have prayer requests or comments on the sermon, you can email us at communitychurchofwarren at gmail.com. Again, communitychurchofwarren at gmail.com. Or you can send us a card or a letter to P.O. Box 4024, Bisbee, Arizona, 85603. Again, P.O. Box 4024, Bisbee, Arizona, 85603. Thank you for listening and blessings to you all. Okay, so did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Good? All right, good. So, you know, the, the first Thanksgiving was held in 1621. The pilgrims gave thanks for having survived another year. The Indians gave thanks for having survived another pilgrim. And then uh, on Thanksgiving, when Thanksgiving Day was approaching and the family had received a Thanksgiving card with a painting of a pilgrim family on their way to church. And grandma showed the card to her small grandchildren, observing the pilgrim children like to go to church with their mothers and fathers. Oh yeah, her young grandson replied. So why is their dad carrying that rifle? Uh, okay. okay. It looked better when I read it, but anyway. Well, most of us know the history of the first Thanksgiving. Just kind of alluded to it. You know, pilgrims come to America on the Mayflower. They celebrate the first Thanksgiving with the Indian. That's pretty much what we feel, right? But it isn't quite the whole story. The pilgrims, of course, did come to America, but their first winter in the New World was brutal. In fact, half of those who sailed on the Mayflower did not live through the winter. And come spring, the outlook for the rest didn't look very promising, except that God miraculously orchestrated a series of divine interventions the survivors, weakened by their winter trial, were surprised by a visitor from the neighboring Abenaki tribe. And he greeted them in English. They were shocked. A few days later, this uh, native returned with who? Come on, you guys know the name? No? Squanto. He was of the Pawtuxet tribe, and Squanto was actually fluent in English. Having been captured and enslaved, he then escaped to London where he lived for a few years. He learned English, and then he was able to return home on a, uh, a voyage of uh, exploration, and they dropped him off at his old homestead there. And... What are the odds that thousands of miles away, 
starving and with poor prospects, you find the one native guy who can speak and understand English fluently. And this is even more remarkable when you realize that the pilgrims were actually headed to the Virginia colony and they were blown off course and they landed in the one area on the coast that had been recently abandoned by the local tribe. Again, God's intervention. Squanta was a godsend. He was able to teach the pilgrims and he taught them how to cultivate the corn. You guys remember the story about putting the little fish in when you plant the seed and all that? He was able to teach them how to extract the sap from the maple trees and fish in the rivers and avoid the poisonous plants. And he was actually, one of the biggest things, he was actually able to forge this peace with the Wampanoag tribe. And it was a peace that lasted over 50 years. It was amazing. And then the following November, after a very successful corn harvest, the pilgrims invited the Wampanoags for a three-day feast. It didn't start out to be a three-day feast, but it ended up being three days. And they gave thanks for and celebrated God's provision. Now, I want to read here a little section. If you guys have never read this book or ever gotten the book, The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall, Jr., I would recommend it. It's all about uh, how God's hand was over the founding of America. Um, it says the summer of 1621 was beautiful. Much work went into the building of new dwellings. Ten men were sent north up to the coast in the sailing boat to conduct trade with the Indians. Squanto once again acted as her guide and interpreter. It was a successful trip, and that fall's harvest provided more than enough corn to see them through the second winter. The pilgrims were brimming over with gratitude, not only to Squanto and the Wampanoags, who had been so friendly, but to their God. In him they had trusted, and he had honored their obedience beyond their dreams. So Governor Bradford declared a day of public thanksgiving to be held in October. Massasoit was invited and unexpectedly arrived a day early with 90 Indians. And it goes on to say that they brought um, food and they extended for three days. But here's, I want you to hear this. He says, but if they had learned one thing through their travails, it was to trust God implicitly. As it turned out, the Indians were not arriving empty-handed. And the, the chief at Massasoit had commanded his braves to hunt for the occasion. And they arrived at no less than five dressed deer and a dozen fat wild turkeys. Again, God provides. And that's what they had learned through that. So they had this three-day feast to give thanks for God's provision and celebrate his provision. So let's fast forward 250 years in the middle of the Civil War. On October, 18, on October 13, 1863, Abraham Lincoln issues a proclamation designating the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving. And in his proclamation... He said this, 
He said, in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. Needful diversions of wealth and strength from the fields of peace and industry to the national defense have not arrested or stopped the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axes enlarge the borders of our settlements and the mines as well of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. The population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege in the battlefield, and the country. Rejoicing in the conscious of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. And he closed with this. No human counsel has devised nor has any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. Now, it's interesting that both of these times of thanksgiving were either during or right after a time of great trial. The terrible winter of 1620 and the Civil War. And perhaps it takes a great trial to make us truly thankful for what we have been given. And that brings us to our scripture passage today. Now in our passage of scripture today, Paul is instructing and teaching the church at Philippi. And of course, by extension, he's teaching us. He starts off with telling us not to be anxious for anything. Interesting. He says, don't be worried about anything. But you know, people might say, yeah, but Paul didn't have my problems. Sure, Paul was shipwrecked and beaten and had rocks thrown at him. He was snake bit and arrested and whipped. But he didn't have my problems, right? All right, yeah. But with all that, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. You know, anxiety is a stress creator, big time. And what happens when we're worried, when we're fretful? We take our eyes off of God and we put it on ourselves. We put it on our circumstances. Or even if it's not about us, it's our family. We put our eyes on our family, our children. See, we're focusing on everything but God. And when our eyes and our minds are off God, we get anxious. We get worried. We get stressed. And anxiety, worry, and stress are a terrible trio. They're spiritually and physically damaging. Don't be a worry ward. Paul says don't do it. And Paul goes on to say, he says, but in everything... Yes, everything, all things, the whole thing. Paul says to pray and ask God. Lift whatever it is up to God. 
Whatever it is that's trying to get you to worry. Now in Christianese, right? We say we give it to God. Give it to God. Listen to this. I think this scripture I'm going to read to you is probably one of the most comforting scriptures in the whole Bible. Jesus in Matthew 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, didn't it just kind of wrap you like a warm blanket? Or so? it, just, it just feels so good to hear these soothing words of our Lord and Savior. So whatever it is that's bothering you, that's weighing you down, Jesus wants to take it off of you. Imagine, I was just thinking, you know, if you were unfortunate enough to be in the Army or Marine Corps, you had to carry these big, heavy backpacks, right? And just, you look at these pictures of these soldiers, and they probably got 100 pounds or more on their back. You know, that used to, in the military, have what they call the Jody calls. You see the guys running, and they're singing to try to take their mind off the fact that they're beat, you know? And, and one of the ones we used to sing was, you know, I used to drive a Cadillac, but now I pack it on my back. You know, that was a, these soldiers, that's what they do. But imagine carrying this big, heavy pack and you're weary from carrying it. And along comes someone that says, hey, let me trade with you. Let me trade with you. So you give him this big, heavy backpack and he gives you a small bag of feathers to carry. That's what it's like. That's what Jesus is saying. Give that burden to me. Well, Paul knew this. And that's why he's saying to the uh, church of Philippi, he's saying, look, don't worry. Pray to Jesus and ask. Then be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful that Jesus has taken that burden from you. Be thankful that Jesus is taking that stress from you. Now we can and should be thankful that Jesus died on the cross for us. We can and should be thankful that once we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, you know what? We don't have to receive that punishment for the sins that we committed. He took the punishment on the cross for us. And we do need to be thankful for that. And we do need to be thankful that we can look forward to an eternity with Christ in heaven. And we can and should be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. But you know what? We can also be thankful that Jesus walks with us here and now. He says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And that we can, by prayer and asking, make our requests known to him. And you know what? He hears us. He hears us. And you know what? If that wasn't good enough, 
Paul goes on. It's like the TV commercial. But wait, there's more. Trying to get a little more reaction out of that. But wait, there's more. No, anyway. Paul goes on to say, when you don't, he says, don't worry. Pray and lift your problems, or really just life, really lift life to God. And with a thankful heart, then guess what? We'll have the peace of God. He says we can have peace. And I've said this often. One of the things that the world desires more than anything is peace. But the world can't provide peace. Look around. You know, I mean, it's amazing the statistic since the dawn of time. The amount of time that the world has been at peace is like a couple of years. There's always conflict going on somewhere. And I bet during that couple of years, there was probably some conflict going on somewhere. He said we can have that peace that guards our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. In other words, that we can have peace in our circumstances. So often, when we're going through a trial or we start worrying, we get into the what if game. What if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or what if this happens? It's that worst scenario game. We don't want to get into that. We don't have to get into that. What an amazing gift to be thankful for is our relationship with our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us peace and and peaceful and thankful hearts. And to top it off, Paul doesn't finish there. He tells us how to do it. And he goes on in verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you learned? What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. See, that's what Abraham Lincoln did in his address. We're in the middle of this civil war, but he looked at all the ways that God was working, how the nation was prospering, how the battlefield, even though the battlefield was brutal, it was limited to the battlefield. And the same thing with the pilgrims. Yes, the winter of 1620 was terrible, but you know what? The spring of 1621 was pretty good. And look what God had provided. Look how God had worked. And that's what you focus on. That's what you focus on. You know, Jesus said, we're going to have tribulations. But he said what? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, right? It's telling you, put your focus on me, not on the tribulations, not on the trials, not on the troubles. And that's what Paul is saying here. 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Man, you start thinking on these things and you're going to change your heart. You're going to change your attitude. And if you start thinking like this, we're going to have thankful hearts all year round. You start practicing this. You can have peace in all your circumstances. Just like the pilgrims after that sorrowful and painful winter. Or Abraham Lincoln in the midst of a national crisis. And why? Why? And we never should forget this. And if you don't hear anything else today, remember, we serve an amazing Lord and Savior who loves us, who desires the best for us, who carries us through all things. And that we can be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We do thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings you have given us. Father, we thank you that in through you, Lord God, we can look forward to eternity with you. And Heavenly Father, I pray that if any, there is anyone here who needs to renew their commitment to Christ, I pray right now, Lord, that they would say in their heart to you, they would confess to you, yes, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to be thankful for you. I want to dwell on what is good and what is pure and what is lovely and what is right, which is you. And Father, if there's anyone here who's never given their heart to you, Father, I pray that today they would. I pray, Lord God, that they would desire to serve you, to live for you, and to have that peace that only you provide. Father, we know the world is all in an upheaval, but you're not. You're the rock. And Father, it doesn't matter how many waves break against it, Lord God, your house will stand. And Father, we can forever be grateful for that. So Lord, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.